Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is Central Texas Life with Ann Harder. Welcome to Central Texas Life. Today we're going to delve into the world of Texas jurisprudence. And I have with me today Judge Rex Davis, longtime friend. But you have spent many years on the bench with yes. the uh, 10th uh, Court of Appeals. Yes. As a, and, and this is an area that serves like 1.2 million Texans kind of throughout Central Texas. It's grown rapidly as is Texas generally except the far west um, in recent years. And, and when I started in 96, it was about 750,000 if yeah. that much. That tells so you. it's just gradually gone up another half a million. And, you know, it would be great if we didn't have a need <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for this kind of, if people didn't do bad things to one another. That's true. We, we wouldn't have a need for this. But uh, when you got started out as a, a law student, did mm-hmm. you, at the University of Texas, I believe, grew up in I did in, some undergraduate uh, work Temple? there and then came up here. Yes, grew up in Temple. And, yeah. I mean, did you always know you wanted to do something with the law, or when did that sort of hit you as Great a kid? question. No, it... It, uh, it came along in my junior year when I was still at UT. I went to junior college in Temple first, made my way, worked at a job there so I could get through school, and then spent my undergraduate work at UT, and then I came up here to law school. And so it was somewhere in my junior year I decided to do it because I didn't have any lawyers in my family really? unless you went back three generations. And then we had a JP, a great-great-great-grandfather, who rode a circuit on a horse horseback and he was down in the Williamson County Lee County area and that's as far back as you had to go to find a lawyer so so yeah you uh, went to law school I think you mm-hmm. worked for a while for Naaman House I did yeah. I did several years they gave me my uh, a good start and then a fellow I knew in the community drew me away and I was his law partner until his personal life created issues for him and he moved to Dallas and so I then moved in and spent a number of years uh, with some great folks at Fulbright Winterford. And then um, I got the call in 96, 1996. Now, that was Governor Bush, right? That was Governor Bush and then our state senator, Sibley, at that time. Mm-hmm. David had told me a couple of years before that, he said, we're looking at you for the bench. And I he always said, and I always thought, because I like people and I'm a people person, and it would be the trial bench. And mm-hmm. so he then said, uh, he let me know a few months ahead that I was a candidate probably for the appellate bench. The, the, that's dicey because Judge Thomas, Chief Justice Bobby Thomas, great man, uh, did wonderful things for this community mm-hmm. as county remember, judge yeah. and on up. But he had... Polio from age 15. Exactly, yeah. And so he was told, Bobby was told, as I understand it, that if he ever contracted pneumonia, it would take him. And he was in 96, that's exactly what happened to Mm -hmm. him. So the governor 
and, and Senator uh, Sibley were good friends, still are. And uh, one thing led to another, and I got a call that I was being considered for the appellate bench. And I was like, for, for Chief Justice Thomas's seat. Mm-hmm. And so one thing led to another, and finally, I'd never forget it. I was in San Antonio, I believe it was, yeah, uh, watching my son play golf for Midway High School. <laughs> and I got a call, and Sibley said, you're it. Oh. And I went, do what? Uh, come and again. <laughs> he said, he said, you're it. And from there, I was there for a number of years till 03. Mm-hmm. Then I went back to private practice. Frankly, it was a financial necessity because mm-hmm. I had those three boys, Donna and I did, and we were going to, and then along came 08 and my friend Bill Vance on the court was retiring. And Bill said, you need to go back to court. Go I back, said, do yeah. what? I said, I've spent the last five, six years redeveloping a practice. Building your, yeah, your law. And right. and Bill, Bill is and always will be a friend of mine. Not politically. We don't get along about anything politically. <laughs> but he was my mentor when I came on the court and took took me under his wing along with Bobby Cummings. I mean, can you imagine? Those two guys knew what they were doing, and I was the new chief justice. That's how politics work. And Bill said, you're not listening. I want you to run for my seat that I'm retiring from. Mm-hmm. And I went. So you'd never run for office. I had run, well, I had run because I had to right after, right after you were I was appointed. appointed. Right. Mm-hmm. You have to run in the first general right. election. Mm-hmm. And then I was fortunate enough to be, uh, I ran again unopposed in 2000. That's the only way to run for office. <laughs> it's a whole lot better than the other way. So I have run for office six times in my life. Okay. Two as a school board member and four for the Court of Appeals. Yeah, so public service in this area is not new to you. But let's talk a little bit yeah. about the whole the whole idea yeah. of judges being political and running for office. Sure. Um, because that leads to the the old creating law from the bench and all those, you know, those questions. Absolutely. I guess it's just the way it has to be. Well, it is as we have wrestled with it now as an issue in the judiciary for well that I know of for 20, 25 years. Mm-hmm. And, and and it goes like this. Well, the public then has the has the ultimate pull. If they don't think you're doing a good job, quote, not doing a good job, they can always get you at the general election and get somebody else. That's kind of the strongest thing some people say. Others say, judges, you have to spend so much time educating the public on what you do that really we'd be better if we did it either by without a party label mm-hmm. and elected them that way, or we did some other hybrid appointment process. And and we have we have wrestled with that, and some some people much smarter than I am in higher places have have wanted to go the try a hybrid approach, no party labels, whatever. And every time it winds up coming back to the two major parties putting up yeah. candidates. Um, that's not perfect. What happens is, is you'll have, we have 14 courts of appeal in Texas divided regionally. Mm-hmm. And so whoever's hot and who's not Republican or Democrat at the time, you may sweep out some very good judges who happen to be one party or the other and put in some new inexperienced people that have to learn what's going on. Right. It happens and it happens a lot. And that's one of the arguments against party, uh, designation for election for judges well and so often people go to the voting booth and they don't know any of these people they don't have a clue you're right they really don't know the appellates Mm 
right. us that I was, they may know their trial judges just because they read or hear something. Yeah, maybe in a news article. In the hot art, in the hot cases. Well, when you were serving on the appellate bench, mm-hmm. what what is the biggest thing that people don't understand? You mentioned education. Mm-hmm. What is it folks don't understand about the process of what this this appeals court does mm-hmm. with regards to, say, a criminal case? In the 1876 uh, Constitution, the last one we have, and that's the one that's got the gazillion amendments to it. If we want to change something, we have amendments. And I'm, I'm going to go right at where you want to go, I think. And that is um, uh, we have two high courts, Court of Criminal Appeals, Supreme Court. Folks generally know more about the Supreme Court. It gets more publicity, shall we say, although the seat, the Court of Criminal Appeals is our high court for crime. What people don't know is there are 14 courts of appeal, 10th mm-hmm. being one tenth of them. 10th is the local one. Yeah. 18 counties covered from, from here, north of here, uh, to south of Dallas-Fort Worth, all the way to Walker County, to Huntsville, and west and east. 90 to 95% of all cases that are appealed are final at a court of appeals. To me, that's something the public really doesn't know. How important it is that people's oftentimes their one shot on a civil or a criminal matter is what is that local court of appeals going to do? Because, and you go, well, those people in Austin, are they lazy? No. But the Supreme Court and the Court of Criminal Appeals in Austin have a load such that they have jurisdiction to have discretion to take some cases or not. If they thought that the Court of Appeals got it right the first time, and they're not otherwise required to do so, they will refuse it, Mm -hmm. and there's a way they note that, and it goes into the record. But to me, that's the, uh, having spent almost 20 years on the appellate bench, I still, folks just don't understand at all, and we try to educate, we do, that that their courts of appeal are very important. Mm -hmm. At least I think so. Looking back on on your time on that 10th Court of Appeals, Mm -hmm. any Big cases that just jump out at you, or maybe any that you thought, did we get it right? Yeah. Oh no. We people people have often said, aren't there cases where the panel of three, and of course normally it's your three sitting judges. Now mm-hmm. there can be a basis for recusal. That's not because they or the judge is not behaving or whatever. It's just, for instance, Judge Johnson, Matt took my place mm-hmm. uh, the, right. where I was there. And he, he came right on in and he's doing a great job. And then Susan came behind him in the 54th and she's doing a fine job. But he, Matt has a brother, David, who is an outstanding appellate lawyer. And so he, when sometimes the, the case, Matt can't hear a case because his, David's yeah, arguing. His brothers. Yeah. yeah. The, the attorney I did now. one of those in early March. And yeah. I still am at their beck and call if they need me, and I'm happy to serve. And, and, and the, the, the point of all that is um, the hot cases, normally the sitting judge panel of three, presently Tom, Chief Justice Gray, the newest one, J, uh, Justice Steve Smith, a very fine jurist from Brazos County, mm-hmm. a longtime personal friend, uh, is now there, and then Matt. And so whether it's hot, whether it's not, they're going to be trying to hear it unless they can't hear it for some recusal or disqualification. And then somebody else will come in. So 
what did I have? Oh, we had some things uh, on the civil side that affected real estate in Central Texas, uh, some of the other issues that really affects a lot of people's lives and they don't even realize it sometime. Mm. On the criminal side, um, we have jurisdiction up through, um, I'm going to say this, we don't actually render a death penalty or appeal case, appeal of a death penalty. Death penalties go from the trial court in Texas constitutionally directly to the Court of Criminal Appeals in Austin. Okay. Okay. Now, can Which we, is above the tent. It's above us. Okay. It, it, it has, it's like the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. It's above us. But what happens is, is that uh, one of the hottest cases I ever sat on, uh, Tom was, was recused off of it, but I was on it. And at the time, my colleague on the court was uh, Justice Al Scoggins, who is still a dear friend mm-hmm. from Waxahachie, um, actually Ennis, um, Ellis County. And he and I and a justice who was appointed to hear it with us from Dallas, uh, we actually heard uh, a death penalty case up to a certain point of development of the case before then we turned it back over and it wound up getting finished out by the Court of Criminal Appeals. Mm -hmm. I know that's a lot of jargon, but it was very important because a prison guard on her horse uh, they tried two convicts, uh, two convicted people, uh, tried to um, make a prison break, mm. and they knocked they knocked her off her horse, and she was killed. Oh, and that wound up being a death penalty case. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that was one of the most intriguing cases I ever got mm. to sit on. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's many others, but that was one of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to take a brief break, and sure. when we come back, we'll hear a lot more about what you're doing now okay. since you have retired. From, uh, from the bench, but you really haven't. <laughs> okay. So stay with us. We'll Fair be enough. right back. And we are back with uh, Judge Rex Davis as we're talking about jurisprudence in Texas and, and how the whole process works and maybe trying to demystify it a little bit for folks. Um, you retired, though, in uh, December of 20, right? December 31 of 20. Of 20, and but not for long. No. I went back to work. Uh, you apply for it. We have it, the, 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 the common nomenclature is a visiting judge system. Basically mm-hmm. what it is 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 you sit by appointment on specific cases and uh, in it, you have we have an application process you have to it's appointed not elected that's a very interesting to me distinction it's really been set that way for a long long time since it was created and so how many judges are like you you know i would have to say all i can tell you is what i know about region three and i'm sure i'm even going to be wrong about that first of all the geography is different Okay. The way it's set up. It's not the same as the 10th court Region, and do all that. That's exactly right. Okay. Approximately half of my former appellate court geography system is in what we call Region 3. But Region 3 runs from Hill County all the way through Travis County, which I didn't have before, mm-hmm. and fans out in all several directions. Uh, I would be wrong if I told you how many counties I'm going to guess uh, because – administratively we have a wonderful administrative judge who handles all that 
and it's Judge Stubblefield, Billy Ray Stubblefield out of Georgetown. He's a retired district judge. Brenda Wilburn is his uh, right hand, and they do a marvelous job of keeping up. And I will tell you that I suspect they have, and I'm probably, if Brenda were hearing your podcast, she goes, Rex, you are so far off. <laughs> but I will just tell you, because of the needs, I would think they have uh, 30, maybe, just mm-hmm. in judges really? just in the region, plus or minus. And, and then what they do is, uh, we alluded to earlier before we got on the air, um, they're really good about trying to assign you, well, first of all, your assignment is in the region where you live. But still, it's a pretty big it's region. A big, you you it's get to do some region. traveling now. Exactly. And so what happens is um, uh, some of us really wind up being assigned most of the time in the northern half of the district. And then the others are in Travis County or whatever. But we have a lot of folks signed here. Now, for instance, I have a brand new case. Can't talk about it as far as the the, the specifics as mm-hmm. far as what I think about it or anything. It's too early anyway. Um, but it's a case in Burnett County. Beautiful place. But if I've well, ever that's been... That's a hill country. That's hill country. <laughs> and if I have ever been to Burnett, it was one time in my life, maybe 40, 50 years ago. Yeah. And so uh, I made my first trek down there to get a handle on it uh, th- earlier this week, as a yeah, matter of fact. Yeah. But that's as far out as it's been. I've been sitting in five counties, and that's a kind of a good example. Uh, McLennan, Bell, Coriel, Falls, and Robertson. And so, so not not too long a drive. No, it's a day trip pretty much. Right. Right. So I, I know you told me about a, an instance where, in fact, you were you were getting out of church and you got a call yes. to hear a case the next day. Yes. And that, that just seemed like a pretty it was unusual. quick turnaround. Yeah. Very unusual. It was a felony case out of Coriel. And the sitting judge was called away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Emergencies happen in people's lives. And they lives. do happen. Yeah. And so uh, he was called away. And um, Donna and I got in the car in the in, in at First Woodway, First Baptist Woodway, and we got and we were having a serious discussion about where are you going to eat lunch. <laughs> where are we going for lunch? Yeah. That's it. And <laughs> the coordinator, I've already had done some work for them, and they have a wonderful court coordinator down there. She's super. And she goes, she said, Judge, can I talk to you? And I said, Yeah, Donna's sitting in the car with me, but she said, I'm not worried about Donna. And she tells me what her plight was. Oh. She said. This is not like I would want to do it, but we have the panel coming. Uh, this felony needs to get tried. Can you come tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And I said, Lori, of course I can come tomorrow. It just happens to work out okay. Mm-hmm. And we tried that case that week. And because of COVID, I have a couple of counties where they still have been picking juries. And, and in, in Gatesville's case, uh, they pick them out on the, it, you're familiar with Highway 84. Oh, yeah. And that the ag barns and stuff for the for the pens and everything are out there. Mm-hmm. They've been using that to oh, call jury panels. So we started really? that case there <laughs> and then we moved it downtown. But they also have been doing some in trying. In Burnett, they've had to do some of the same kind of thing. They've had to do, use the ag center because. It's big enough, I and guess. You gotta, and when. COVID yeah. was really, and they were still trying to do live stuff on some cases. Mm-hmm. You had to spread everybody out. Yeah. So we've had a great, I mean, you'd say you're going to call that a great time. 
from my perspective, it's a tremendously intriguing situation. Well, it, it, it certainly COVID has created some very interesting um, changes, got, you know, and people have had to be very light on their right, feet, very right. quick. But I, but I remember laughing so hard. It, it was some case somewhere and they were all on a Zoom call mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, somehow mm-hmm. the attorney was, I don't know, talking like a kitten or something. Oh, some yeah. setting had gotten. Yes, yes. Was it was hilarious, well, and he couldn't figure out how to get it off the setting. And we're—I would just say this in behalf of Zoom, <laughs> or the other one that one of the Microsoft or somebody has a product. Also, it's very helpful, Anne. In that, even though we're maybe finally getting away from—I'm sorry, my term is the plague—we're <laughs> uh, getting away from it. The fact is, I think there still will be a place for preliminary hearings, particularly for the Zoom products. Really? Well, because it, with people spread out, number one, the counties, it's not as expensive for them in some situations if they can go to the, and you know the technology much better than I, but we, if we can set a Zoom hearing up, um, I'm looking at a new case right now where a Zoom hearing may be just ideal because of how people are spread out. So we're going to continue with that product. Now, I think people on the merits of criminal as well as civil will want to go back to live judges or juries as much as possible. We were already headed in that direction in what I've been doing, and it's because we were finally were able to loosen and, and have uh, the, the option of having people show up, so to speak. But I think both those situations are going to be used. Well, and I think in those early days, the, because there is such a backlog anyway, I would imagine on some, uh, in some of these courthouses that shutting things down and creating more of a backlog mm-hmm. was, was going to become quite serious. Well, let me tell you how bad it is. Uh, we are coming out of it now, and... Chief Justice Heck and the Supreme Court, they are the administrative level that along with what's called the Office of Court Administration, which oversees some of, obviously, the administration of our business, and then the governor's office. And the three of them, I'm going to give them kudos. They have done a masterful job. It's been rough on everybody because of how slow things got and how much backup. But now what we're trying to do is we open up criminal case with somebody sitting in jail who could not make bail or bond, those are given priority, all things considered. Uh, If you are out on bail or bonded out, uh, those are second. Then the civil load, civil cases, come third Mm. and beyond. And the problem is, I mean, it's going to take a while to unravel all of it, plus us, the visiting judges. Most of us took these jobs with more or less the idea that we would be on average working half-time instead of full-time like we did before. Now, that's a misnomer because that means some weeks I work full the whole week, and then maybe the next week I don't have anything I have to hear. Mm. But Which it is kind of good out. in retirement. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I'm all for it. Yeah. I mean, you know my family, and all of my family, uh, there's no there's no shrinking violets there. <laughs> and everybody has an opinion about dad. And this ladies this morning, the oldest one was talking to his mother. And, and I talked to him and he said, you're working again today, aren't you? I went, well, yes and no. I'm doing 
an interview for a friend. And, uh, but after that I have some other stuff. Yeah. And he goes, you're happy, aren't you? I said, I'm like a clam. <laughs> I'm delighted with doing trial and appellate work. But the point is, It'll take a while for us to unravel how far backed up we are. Really? I'm just going to tell you. Yeah. And without, we're not going to go where this is going to be. I'm just going to tell you it's a fact. With the crush of more people coming for one reason or another to the state of Texas, mm -hmm. it's making that even harder. Legislature is going to have their hands full considering how many different judgeships are they going to create. If you do that, then you still got to have the staff to support it. You got to have court reporters or a mechanical way to do it. You got all that. You got a place for them to meet. That's it. You know, scheduling and, you spend, and all that. You got to spend the money to do it, and that's where mm -hmm. you know the taxes go. Yeah. So I'm just saying to you, it's transition's going to be tough for a while. And you have told me that mm -hmm. you're considering maybe another transition, and that's doing more family type cases. Yeah. What happened possibly. was there's four areas that when you were uh, you qualify as a visiting judge. It's uh, criminal, civil, uh, uh, juvenile, and, uh, and family law. And I checked the block on three of them, but not family law when I first came in. And so, of course, Judge Stubblefield and Brenda said, okay, what's that about? And I went, well, appellate courts uh, don't get many family law issues. Mm -hmm. If they are, they're very specific, but... I'm a big believer in the discretion that we vest in the trial courts. I believed that way before. I still do. And particularly when you're dealing with families, the trial courts, those judges live right there. They see it. They're sensitive. Mm -hmm. They can deal with the children, all of that. And so I just told him, I said, I don't feel competent to do family law right now unless I take some more continuing education and some other things. And they said, well, we, we don't have a need for you to also take family law, so we understand. And I said, well, and this is where I am. About six weeks ago, I got a call from Ms. Wilburn, and Brenda said, Rex, Judge and I have been talking. And I went, am I in trouble? <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> she said, no, but we want you to work in the CLE for family law. There's oh. an advanced course that we can take, and it's mm -hmm. probably in August. And she said, the trade-off is we're not going to, press you to do family law till October, but we need you to do that. We're somewhat shorthanded. One of my dearest friends in the business, and I don't think it's a secret now, and great judge, Alan Mayfield, mm -hmm. is is kind of pulling off of his visiting judge load, and he and Ms. Mayfield, I understand. I haven't talked to him yet about it, but I understand it's consistent that he wants to do some other things. Sure. And so and so he has been one of the really go-to visiting judges for at least a decade. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, all that plays a part, so I guess I won't be doing some family law after all. <laughs> well, and I would I would think just emotionally some of this stuff has to take a toll. Some I mean, I know you've heard cases that you just oh, feel yeah. like you have to go and take a shower after yes. hearing the stuff. Yes. How, how do you deal with that? Well, for me, part, I mean, because you're the final say. Yep, yeah, yeah. in the trial court. In the trial you're court, right. but in, in my know, case, it's, hard. it's got to be hard. I'll simply give you the it whether it is trial court now for me and appellate, and then when it was appellate for all those years. When I came back to the bench in '09 and had been gone for a while, one of the very first cases that we had to review on appeal, as I said, while well, I go death penalty, we don't have, but anything short of that mandatory mm -hmm. life, anything else. 
And, and I have such a hard time with abuse of children. Yeah. Uh, injury to a child, death to the child. Uh, now, those cases in Texas can be death penalty. Oh, yeah. But if they're anything short of that, and uh, that is the toughest area for me to handle personally because that person who has been convicted is still entitled to a fair trial. And you really have to work at that. Yeah. And one of the most horrific death cases, he wasn't, and the, the assailant was not uh, given the death penalty. He was given mandatory. So it came to us mm-hmm. before it went to Austin. And uh, uh, it was out of the southern part of the district. I'll never forget it. And it was just, it still makes me cringe yeah. how, how, how badly that child was abused before she was killed yeah so yeah i didn't do a lot of court reporting uh for the tv station i did Mm -hmm. some Mm -hmm. and um there there were some that i i was just you know i pretty naive i think about some stuff sitting next to tommy witherspoon they were passing some objects i guess exhibits and he said ever seen anything like that before and i'm like (laughs) no i mean it's you know how that it's just I mean, even though it's you didn't do awful. much, you got a, you got some of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And unfortunately, Anne, statistically, and I do not know the numbers, but there is more of that in, even in the great state of Texas yeah. than you can imagine. Yeah. So. Well, putting folks behind bars that need to be behind bars. Absolutely. That's, that, that, is, that is the work. they get their fair trial. They, they, that's and right. If, and if it gets messed up somehow, very rarely does. Our trial judge system is... I'll put it up against anybody in the country. Our people do a great job, but occasionally something happens mm-hmm. and there's something different about how it's going to be handled. Um, some of the constitutional issues now we're dealing with, uh, they still come through the court system from time to time. Yeah. So, well, you were doing a yeoman's work Thanks. and I do appreciate you spending some sure. time with us. I like to end these mm-hmm. little visits though, with a little questionnaire. It's similar sure. to the one the late great James Lipton would use on cool. inside the actor's studio. If you remember that. Sure I do. So this is my little take on it. What is your favorite word? What is my favorite word? Mm-hmm. Mm. Goodness. Um, don't want to belabor it. Um, Perhaps. Really? It's one of my favorite words. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I've never heard that. What is your least favorite word? Denial. Okay. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Emotionally, uh, two good lawyers in in my court on a tough case and handling it with great professionalism. Spiritually, um, the fact that my wife was given a second life. Mm-hmm. Yes, she was. And what people don't know is she died last year of a heart attack and they were able to bring her back. Mm-hmm. She's doing well. Great. Yeah. What turns you off then spiritually or emotionally or creatively um the tendency in some parts of the country including texas that people take the attitude that it's my way talking to someone else or the highway yeah 
and that blind attitude about belief that bothers me an awful lot. You know, I've heard that from a lot of different people, from a lot of different walks of life. Yeah. Uh, what sound do you love the most besides Donna's singing? Oh, she is such a and fabulous she has singer. Such a I wonderful love to voice. hear her sing. Uh, in my case, or maybe it is Donna's singing. <laughs> well, that is probably it. Actually, generically, um, I am a big, big Baylor sports fan, uh-huh. and so anything having to do with the excitement of the moment of a Baylor Bears ladies or men oh. doing something, that's that's really important to me. What is your least favorite sound? <clears throat> um, being in a public place and a an adult verbally or otherwise that is on the edge abusing a child and mm. there appears to be no justification in any fashion for that. Do you get, get it's all over me. So do you get involved? You know, I haven't had to lately. Uh, several years ago, I remember an instance where the physical abuse of the child made me oh. go to it. Yeah. Just say, stop it. We're calling the police if you don't quit. And that was a while back. Mm. Yeah, yeah. What other profession would you have liked to do? I would like to have been a um, uh, geneticist. I loved dealing with the, when I was in my undergraduate years, uh, particularly uh, um, DNA and the issues with it. Uh, the, uh, the, the two men whose names I can't call this morning, uh, who won the Nobel Prize for unraveling uh, the DNA. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was just coming about. I'm a really old guy, and so some people are going to go, good Lord, man. Are you? St- <laughs> yeah, yes, I am. I'm 70-plus. And uh, I had a wonderful professor actually in my junior college days named Ann Penny Newton, and she was one of the finest teachers I ever had, and she taught biology. Yeah, yeah. And I would have loved to have gone into genetics, I think. Interesting. What profession do you know you would not want to do? Uh, Art, because I can't draw a straight line. (laughs) I literally cannot draw a straight line. But we can't end without talking about your involvement with the arts, and that is uh, with Waco Symphony. Uh, You have been involved with the board. In the past, and are on the over board. twenty years, right and at twenty years. So, so you you appreciate music? Oh yeah, I love music. And, and what I said about art is, of course, the 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 part about drawing things, <laughs> actually creating things. it. Oh yeah, I mean, fortunately, I have family members that take after Donna. Donna's very creative like that, and and we have several grandchildren who are very good with their arts, the the physical arts, but music. No, I played. Musical instrument in high school, I have a pretty decent voice. Um, and I, when I hooked up with the symphony, it's close to 20 years ago now, yeah. off and on with terms, I have a great passion for that. Uh, Beethoven's my favorite. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a college roommate, and he would do it just to make me cringe. And he'd go, are you going to listen to some J.S. Batch tonight? <laughs> and I went, Ken, it." Were you going to get this right? He said, I know what it is. It's Bach. I just like to grill you. (laughs) Like the Yankee string. Finally, what do you want to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's right. That's right. Well, 
Sorry. What I can tell, you're doing a great job, Thanks. Judge Rex Davis. Thank you so much for your past service to the state of Texas and continuing to serve folks who are in uncomfortable positions no matter what. Right. But they need some resolution, and that's that's what you help bring to them. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> Thank you, Rex. You bet. Thank you for joining us. Come back again next time for Central Texas Life. Central Texas Life with Ann Harder is part of the Rogue Media family. Be sure to check out our other shows at roguemedianetwork.com. Please rate this show five stars on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Join us again soon for more Central Texas Life with Ann Harder.